at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now get five years no interest plus five months no first payment. But only through December 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com radio or call 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Off and running we go. Thursday, January the 13th. I got you till 3 o'clock. We'll take you up to Wisconsin's afternoon news today. Now, the texts are coming in. I had uh, in a crosstalk there with Steve Scafidi, he was discussing my, well, my affinity for Cinnabon and how through thick and thin, through recessions and financial bliss, through years of health and years of pandemic, well, riddled society, Cinnabon endures. While other fast food restaurants have come and gone, Cinnabon endures. Are they publicly traded? You know, I if so, I, I should look into buying some stock into Cinnabon. Um, my fingers are crossed that Cinnabon will show up at the avenue before it's all said and done. Probably won't hold my breath, but it would be nice to have that. I once said that if I was starting a food court, and who doesn't think about starting a food court, quite frankly, right? How many of you have not, at some point in your life, thought, you know what, I, sh- I should start a food court? That would be my anchor store. That would be the, the stalwart that, that you know, uh, all other business surrounds. And if you have no, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, first of all, where have you been living under a rock your whole life? You have missed out. And the sweet, sweet joy, the sweet, sweet nectar that is a Cinnabon. And, yes, get the extra frosting. Get the extra frosting. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about calories and sugar and all that other stuff. Get the extra little cup of frosting. You you lather. Actually, spackle is probably the more accurate term. You, you spackle that stuff on. You pop it in the microwave at home. You let it melt a little bit, and you can thank me later. We will talk sweets. Yeah, I do have a Girl Scout cookie quiz that I'm gonna I'm gonna give out uh, before three o'clock. We'll see because this is another big question too. We'll see if one's favorite cookie would also be the cookie that most matches their personality. Um, just because you enjoy the caramel delight does not mean that your personality is more fitting of a thin mint. So these are the issues that I'm going to bring here, filling in for Jeff. Would Jeff talk about that? Probably not. But these are the issues that I think, while the pandemic rages, while we have an escalating political climate here in our country and in our state and in our city, with uh, the election cycles revving up here in 2022, these are the topics. These are the issues. These are the things that I think need discussing. Uh, no, but we will have some fun along the way. Um, I don't know how I segue into that or into this from that. I've had this for a little while, and I, I didn't know how to approach this, but I want to ask a question, and I, I, I think I may be, I don't want to say breaking a rule per se, but. 
treading into territory that could be a little dicey. It's related to COVID, yes, but it's not specifically knee-deep in the pandemic as a topic. What do they always say when you're with family or friends out socializing among mixed company? Never talk what? Never talk what? Never talk politics? Well, we talk politics all the time here, obviously. That's one of the things that we do. We love to do it. And never talk religion, right? (laughs) Guess what? I'm going to talk religion. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. I want to talk religion. And the question that has been on my mind personally over the last couple of years related to the pandemic, and now that we're, hard to believe, almost two years in, basically. Well, we're at least two years in. March 11th is the official line of demarcation in my mind, so we're fast approaching the two-year anniversary of that. Is, think about this for a second, because I'm going to get into it. When you think about everything that we have taken to doing remotely, everything that we once thought could not be done remotely, seeing loved ones. Well, there's no way that grandma and grandpa are going to be able to FaceTime me. They're not too good with the phone or the technology. They're not. And look, lo and behold, grandma and grandpa, they've nailed the technology. They have found a way. And although it's not as good as seeing them in person, we have found a way to communicate that way. What about work? How many of you never even considered the possibility that you would be able to do your job and do it effectively in a remote sense? Hmm? I bet many of you have been proven that that initial thinking was just wrong. Here you are. You are thriving in a remote setting. Schooling, of course. And that is certainly a hotly debated topic. But nevertheless, you can speak to the effectiveness, but we have found a way to have the youth of America earn degrees, graduate, move from grade to grade in a virtual sense. That was proven possible in the last two years. And many have moved away from it, some are moving back to it, and and all that stuff. But, nonetheless, whatever your preconceived notion was, maybe it was proven wrong in the last two years. All of those, I think, to some degree, have been able to work remotely. Which brings me to my question. Is it possible, is it possible that you can worship Mm -hmm. as effectively, remotely as in person. Now, we know during the, what would you say, initial surge of the pandemic, if that's the way we're going to describe it, in 2020, sanctuaries, places of worship were shut down, controversial that it was, and many people took to what? Worshiping remotely. Streaming the service. They go to Facebook or any number of, you know, social media platforms, and they had to, because the doors were actually locked to their house of worship. Whatever denomination, right? Whatever the, the, the religion is, it was locked. You couldn't go in there. Now things have reopened. Sanctuaries are again open. 
But a lot of people still don't feel safe going. And a lot of these places of worship have taken to what? To continue streaming their services, let's say, right? So there still is the option on the table to do so remotely. Well, not surprisingly, churches changed during the pandemic, and many worshipers are not going back. Mm-mm. COVID-19 and its lockdown restrictions accelerated a fall. You know, I talked about, um, I think it was earlier this year, not well, not this year, but in, in 2021, about how church attendance has steadily dropped over the last like 20 years or so to an all-time low. And COVID obviously sped that process up. In-person church attendance is roughly 30% to 50% lower than it was before the pandemic, according to a research firm that studies faith in the U.S. So my question to you is, at 855-616-1620, does that matter? Does it matter? If in-person, and that's the key, if in-person worship regardless of denomination, regardless of affiliation, if in-person worship drops, but people are still logging on, Facebook Live, social media, streaming platforms, etc., etc., does that matter? Does it matter? Or, Or is worship something that you believe simply cannot be as effective if you're doing it remotely? 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because, as I said at the top, it has now been proven that a lot of things we originally would have thought could never be done effectively in a remote sense, schooling, working, just communicating, that that'll never be effective. And to some degree, varying degrees, it has been. Whatever you think about schooling, it's been effective to some degree, right? Not as effective as in person, but to some degree, yes. Working, to varying degrees, it's been effective. I was trying to think, what are things in our society that, my gosh, will never ever be as effective remotely as in person? And when I see the report that in-person church attendance is down 30 to 50% before the pandemic, my initial reaction was, that is not good. That is not good. Even if it means people are worshiping remotely, I believe there is something vital, instrumental, important to worship that values and needs the in-person experience. It is a collective experience. Whatever your denomination, whatever your religious affiliation, you stand to gain more from the in-person experience as if, or as compared to logging on every Sunday morning, for example and watching that can be effective but only to a point only to a point or or do you disagree with me doesn't it matter scott it doesn't matter as long as you're as long as you're connected if even remotely it's fine it works 
It gets the job done, so to speak. And I, I don't believe so. I think this is something, one of the rare things in society, one of the rare things in our lives, that the in-person experience, that collective experience, is, is necessary to get the full impact of what a worship service is meant to bring. Heavy lifting to start the show? I don't know. But you can do it. Because this is a conversation... This is a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while, and I thought this day, this uh, this opportunity on Jeff's show is as good a time as any to have it. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts as we continue on WTMJ. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on this Thursday afternoon. Since... The pandemic hit. Church attendance is roughly 30 to 50% lower. What is the value of in-person worship? As so many things have gone remote, is worship, which now I think in many places offering remote opportunities, is it one and the same? Is there a value? And I say yes. I think there is a value of the in-person that that is almost indescribable in some way, and some of you who are online will maybe describe it better than I can, uh, that you don't get remotely. And there are arguments on both sides. We'll get to those. All right. You've heard from me. Now let's hear from you. Let's start in Fond du Lac. It's Adam. Hello, Adam. Good afternoon. Welcome to WTMJ. Hi. Uh, I happen to be a a Lutheran pastor, so maybe this seems a little biased, but um, uh, if the, the goal of the the spiritual life is just uh, personal consumption, what's in it for me, then there's more content online than you could ever consume and wade through in a lifetime. But if there's uh, something more communal to it, and and, and, uh, and if there's something meant to, uh, if there's an encouragement that comes through it, the, the writer of the Hebrew says, let us not give up meeting together so that we might encourage one another. Uh, there really is. Um, standing shoulder to shoulder, singing shoulder to shoulder, praying shoulder to shoulder. There's just an unspoken encouragement that comes from doing that with other people than sitting in front of a computer screen on your own. Let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, though, Adam, and I'll play, uh, I'll push back a little bit. Um, the opportunity to reach people remotely during a pandemic or otherwise there's a value in that as as well, is there not? And I would imagine you would say, I'd rather have them watching our service online this weekend than not watching anything altogether, right? Right, but I, I would say you can do both. And I, I wouldn't want to replace our church's ministry uh, with that entirely. I would say, yep, for those that are kind of looking through the window uh, into our ministry through the through the internet that that's great but if this is something you buy into and believe um as as we do uh come for the sake of your brothers and sisters here as well to encourage them you mentioned you're a pastor may i ask just do you have, do you have a a feeling of the in person attendance now compared to spring of 2020 when the pandemic started it, it, like the, the number says 30 to 50 yeah. percent would your would your congregation fall in that in that gap um not maybe not uh that low um it's it's ebbed and flowed a little bit it came back uh 
you know, right after the, the things started to open up, now that um, uh, the virus is on the rise again, I've seen a little bit of a dip. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think what it has done um, is it's kind of cracked open the door and, and uh, given, uh, quote-unquote, permission to people uh, to, to stay at home when they otherwise wouldn't have in the past. Like, yeah, I've got a little tickle in my throat. Eh, uh, I've, I've done this at home on the internet i think that's the way i'll go this weekend so even though you know most people will come uh somewhat regularly maybe there's a little dip because they're apt to uh to stay at home at least once in a while when they wouldn't have in the past Mm -hmm. interesting adam thanks for the call appreciate your perspective 855-616-1620 acunet mortgage talk and text line everything that we do differently now remote but is, is, is worship something that cannot be done remotely, as effectively as it could? Is worship something that needs to be in person rather than remotely? Let's squeeze in, uh, let's see. Jay is in Kenosha. Hey, Jay. Hi, good morning. Hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Go. Yeah, I, I Go agree with a good pastor. Uh, yeah, I you know, we're humans, we're social beings, and uh, you, know, you kind of hit the tip of the iceberg. It's If that's the case, then what's the point of concerts and sporting events and festivals, especially when it comes to uh, worship and religion? Uh, although I would be intrigued to see how a Catholic confessional would work out uh, via Zoom, but I believe that uh, you can get the benefit of both in-person worship as well as, you know, maybe a those that aren't in the physical condition to attend uh, the church sure. in person could benefit from, from that as well. We are, thanks Jay, appreciate it, we are very much social beings, and if you did not realize that, you are much more cognizant of it now than you were eh, two years ago on this day, right? Um, let's continue, because there is some pushback on the text line especially, and it relates to distractions distractions which i think is an interesting point that's being made we'll continue in just a moment on wtmj the idea of distractions have been brought up are you more distracted in church or at home i mean i think you can make an argument both ways we'll let uh we'll let you make it in just a moment from Racine texting in says Scott I am highly satisfied with remote worship no distractions by naughty children people coughing snoring or whatever you people snore in your church I doubt I will ever go back in person except for weddings or funerals things like that I also do not have to dress up I don't miss the fellowship because with it comes gossip judgment rudeness and so on and so forth I am fine with worshiping remotely See, that, a couple other people brought up the idea of distractions. And I guess it, it, it depends on the individual. For me, I feel like I'm more distracted at home because I did watch uh, church services online during the, well, the, the shutdown, as it were, of, of 2020. And I would get more distracted. 
Even though you're sitting, let's say, at a, at a table or on the couch, you got your laptop out, you're maybe you're watching on your phone, a cup of coffee, whatever you have, and suddenly there's a siren outside, and now my eyes drift to something happening in the street outside. And I, I think you can make the case for being distracted both ways, right? But on the other hand, like Leanne, maybe you're saying, oh, actually, Scott, it's a lot more peaceful sitting in my living room in my big comfy armchair watching the service with my cup of coffee and my i don't know bible right there accessible maybe that is less distracting or offers less uh, fewer distractions than being in the service it's in, in the sanctuary itself i i can see both sides i i suppose back to the phones here gianni is in montello hello gianni happy new year Happy New Year to you, Scott. Hey, listen, um, nothing can supplant the worship in the house of God. Um, You can do it online. You can do it. um, You can listen to the broadcasts on uh, WTMJ on the radio. But that's not the same as entering the house of God and receiving the sacrament. Now, for the last 16 years, uh, I've been a caregiver, so it's been very difficult for me to get to services. Uh, And when COVID came along, you know, that really put a damper on things. So um, while I do listen every week uh, to to, uh, church service, it is not the same as entering the house of God and worshiping with fellow parishioners. Is it more the fellowship being there with other human beings, or is it more you there in an actual sanctuary in a church which is more it is important the, it is the ambience you. it is the ambience of being in the house of god and if you've ever been to you know some of the cathedrals in europe um uh, you, you know the, the sense of awe when you enter a church is overwhelming it really is mm-hmm. so it's, it's 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 not the same as getting it through the radio or, or online it, it's just um it's, it's it's better than nothing, you know. Right. Um, but right. it's not the same as entering the house of God and and, and not as being, being given effective. the sacrament and experiencing uh, the service. Yeah. Right. Thanks, Gianni. I appreciate your perspective. Tammy is in West Dallas. Good afternoon, Tammy. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Um, when I called um, in, I wanted to talk about like how the importance of being with the other people in your faith community and being together. And so for me, the first priority for me was when we could go back, we were like one of the first people back. And I have young kids, so distractions either at church or at home happen either which way. (laughs) So the distraction part um, didn't really um, doesn't really um, apply here because mm-hmm. my kids sometimes are a distraction in church, but they were still being distracted at home um, doing online church as well. Yeah, how I, I'm curious. I mm-hmm. it, was it harder to keep the kids' attention at home while watching the online service than it is actually in the pews, for example? I would imagine it was tougher when they're in their surroundings at home was it yes because they're like it's church done it's church done <laughs> um they would want to grab you know toys or blankets or other things even if we kind of 
pre-set up stuff, you know, saying sure. you could have like one, you know, book or one blanket with you while we're watching at home. But then they'd want to go to the bathroom or mm-hmm. grab water or run here, run there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So in that case, the, uh, the, the distractions of being at home were greater than in person at the uh mm-hmm. at the site thank you tammy i appreciate your perspective 855-616-1620 just a couple more here rosemary from milwaukee hello rosemary hi hi i want to tell you that my i prefer the in-service my church being on visually impaired sends me the bulletin and i put it on my braille note and i participate with the congregation to do the service so i prefer the in in service over the virtual Mm. and for another reason it's because of the sacrament you can't get the bread and wine virtually and so i think the the fact that they're available if you need them that's certainly fine but if i had a choice i would prefer to participate Mm -hmm. and be there in church Mm -hmm. thanks rosemary appreciate your call let's get one more here um jim in sheboygan hello jim hi yeah virtual services just don't cut it um we just celebrated christmas which is well, God designed uh, people to come together physically uh, in person to worship because we go to go to Christmas. It's about Emmanuel, which means God with us. That means people interacting with one another. Uh, the sacraments are the same way. God, uh, Jesus established a, a meal that is to be shared together in the presence of one another. And everything about the theology of Christianity is about being in person with one another. And while you can watch a service at home and hear the Word of God, uh, the Word is intended to be shared in person with one another, because that's what God did. He came into the flesh to be with us in person. I think, Jim, thanks for the call, and I appreciate you weighing in. Um, The majority of the calls and the majority of the text messages were certainly on the side of in-person is more effective, more valuable uh, than remote. I think everybody would agree that if remote is your only choice, then so be it. And it, it got us through that point and that portion of 2020 where everything was shut down. It got us through. And if it's, if it's that or nothing, that certainly is better than nothing. But I agree. And I have heard conversations over the last going on two years about the effectiveness of remote learning from schools, from grade school all the way up through college. I have heard and I've taken part in conversations about remote working. How do you handle working, uh, you know, through your computer, working at home? What are the challenges? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? All of the conversations we have had, think, since March of 2020, relating to remote fill-in-the-blank. Very, very few discussions have related around worship. And I appreciate the conversation that we've had here in the last couple of minutes because I know how important it is for a lot of people, regardless of religion, regardless of denomination and in your lives. And for people to do it in person, like a lot of those other things that are just simply better, more effective, more vital for a society, for a thriving life, 
doing it in person is second to none. More after this. Scott in for Jeff on WTMJ. You know, I, um, <laughs> that Culligan commercial that we just played two spots ago, the one that John Mercure voices, uh, that's a spot that's been running for a while. Some, I forget who in the building, or was it somebody outside the building? They asked me, they said, how come John Mercure's Culligan water bottle, the water jug, right? How come it's wearing his bathrobe? And I went, what? (laughs) They said, yeah, that commercial that plays for Culligan, the one that John voices. He says, you're chasing the Culligan water bottle down your driveway in in your bathrobe. Can you, here, just listen again, and I may never hear this commercial the same way again after this. Does does John actually say the Culligan water bottle is wearing his bathrobe? Hey, John Merck here. Here, yeah. time to stop chasing that empty water bottle blowing down your driveway in your bathrobe. Get a bottle free. <laughs> See, all right. He that, that, that's what I hear. I'm never going to hear that commercial the same way again. John, what somebody when John comes in right before three o'clock, I'm going to ask him why do your why do you dress your empty Culligan water bottle in your in your bathrobe? Hey, John Merck here, here. Time to stop chasing that empty water bottle blowing down your driveway in your bathrobe. <laughs> well, wow. He puts his bathrobe on the Culligan water bottle. That is, that is impressive. Remind me to ask John that uh, during crosstalk right before 3 o'clock for Wisconsin Afternoon News. Okay, um, real quick here. Okay, see the texts are coming through. 262. Scott, I literally thought this when I heard the commercial. 414. Scott, I can't stop laughing because I think the same thing every single time I hear that commercial. I've tried to figure out how to reword it, but no matter what, it it doesn't seem like there's a way to say it properly. <laughs> John. <laughs> John has two bathrobes. He has one for himself, and then he has one for the water bottle. Hey, John Merck here. here. Time to stop chasing that empty water bottle blowing down your driveway in your bathrobe. <laughs> All these texts. See? Good job. You know, listening, listening is a skill. Good job on all of you listening. Yeah, I, I don't know how, how else you could word it. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, and then I heard that commercial. Has John ever thought that before? Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. I, I just want to say this real quick here. I'm not going to get real heavy into um, political chatter here but between now and and three o'clock. But, but, Jim Lehman, that's how you pronounce it, right? Jim Lehman is a Republican candidate for Senate in Arizona. He has unveiled a new TV ad. He's spending $1 million to air the ad. And it started running this past Monday night during the college football national championship game. So far as we can tell, this commercial is the first instance of the phrase, let's go Brandon, being used in a campaign spot. Yeah. Um, 
Everybody knows what that means. If you don't Google it, be careful when you Google it. It's an insult to President Biden uh, in place of a four-letter expletive. Okay? You can go back and find its uh, you know, origin from the NASCAR race and things like that. And I just wanted to say this. If we are now at the point where that phrase, which stands for a vulgar term, is being used in a well-publicized campaign commercial as part of a $1 million, a Senate commercial, as part of a $1 million ad buy in Arizona. We are, I mean, we are right at the line of dropping expletives in our campaign commercials, right? I mean, if we are now in 2022 at the point where we're using a phrase which everybody knows stands for a four-letter expletive, that's walking it right up to the line. And I know you can never use the expletive in an ad that's going to run on television or radio, for that matter, obviously, clearly. But I would also say this. Surveys have shown that one of the few areas where Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals and moderates, the one of the very, very, very few areas where everybody agrees is that the discourse in the country is not good. Hmm. Understatement of the show. That the discourse in the country has gotten worse for any number of reasons in recent history, right? Most of us, majority of Americans, all agree to that, no matter what your political stripes. That said... This ad, this candidate, this slogan being used in a $1 million ad buy for a Senate race in Arizona should be denounced by everyone. Mm-hmm, yeah. As diehard a Republican, as diehard a conservative as you may be, and as much as you may despise Joe Biden, you ought not nod your head in agreement with this particular commercial. Because you cannot, America, you cannot on one hand go, bah, the discourse, what has happened to us in this country? What is wrong with us? What, you know what? There was a time when at least we respected one another. Man, there's nothing I hate more than just the the putrid rhetoric coming from politicians. You can't say that. And then, oh man, hey, 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 Greg. Did you see that? Did you see that Republican in Senate it, it, running for the, the Senate seat in Arizona? He's doing a Let's Go Brandon ad. Oh, that is sweet. That is so awesome. Oh, 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 that is hilarious. No, you can't. You can't have both. You can't. You may want Jim Lehman, Lamont, Lehman, whatever, to win that Senate seat, but even if you're here in Wisconsin and you bleed. Red, you can't be good with this. You cannot be good with this. Scott Warrison for Jeff on WTMJ. We continue. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Mess Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Yeah, no, I, I know that there are people with the... Uh, 
actual slogan on signage on their front lawn, and it's just if even the people who dislike Biden the most, you you have to at some point you have to have standards, right? <laughs> You're laughing. No, you do. Like at some point, at some point, right? You draw the line, Scott. You're so naive. No, but at some point, you have to draw the line and say, all right, enough's enough. Just no. Even that, that phrase, that slogan, that insult is just flat out too far. And even if you're running for Senate and you want to put it in your commercial, your ad, you should not be rewarded for it. Coming up after the news. Why are NFL ratings the highest they've been in six years? I have a theory. I think there's a predominant variable at play. And it's only going to drive the ratings higher and higher. We'll get into that. And I've had it with hotels. I've had it with hotels. Almost every time I'm walking into a hotel now, there is something that stops me dead in my tracks the moment I walk into the room. And it, well, it leaves me uncomfortable for my entire stay. We'll get into that on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Our number two. Yes, indeed, Jeff is out. I got you till three. We'll be with you again tomorrow. I'm going to figure out what I want to do tomorrow during that 2 o'clock hour. I can't do Pop Culture Corner. That is uh, official property of one Jeffrey Wagner. So I can't do Pop Culture Corner. Uh, we'll figure out some silliness to do tomorrow to round out your week. And then I will be in for Jeff on Monday. It's a holiday, MLK Day. So I'll be in on Monday. we got three days here in the noon to three slot. Um. Do you know, I, until yesterday, was it yesterday? I didn't know the NFL playoff matchups, which is odd for me. I'm a sports guy. I like sports. I like sports. Um, I did not. (laughs) I do. I, I don't know why it took me that long to figure out who's playing the games this weekend. Who could the Packers play? I think there's like, they could play one of three different opponents or something like that. But I'll watch, and you'll watch. We all will watch. In fact, in fact, this year's regular season football games averaged over 17 million viewers across television and digital platforms. 17.1 million viewers. That's up from last year. Did you know that? By the way, Greg Pancake Hill is producing. Yeah, that guy. Good to see you in the daylight hours. Hey! Take a guess here real quick. What percentage increase do you think that is over last year? 17.1 million this year, on average. That is a percentage increase of what compared to last year? Um, I'll say something odd, like 13. 10%. Oh, okay. 10% increase over 2020. Not only that, it is the league's highest average... Since 2015. The league's highest average since 2015. 2015, by the way, was before Colin Kaepernick. 
that was the 2016 season when Colin Kaepernick took a knee and everything went on from there and, and the debates raged and politics were infused and so on and so forth. First of all, before I get into the reasons behind it, and I'm going to ask you for your explanation for this, I think there, there there's one major factor. There are several factors. There's not one you know, magic bullet, so to speak. There are several things at play, and I think there's one more so than any, in my opinion. To all of you who called into this show, who called into this station in 2016 and 2017, you know who you are. I know who you are. I was a producer then. I produced for Charlie Sykes. We talked about the Kaepernick story plenty. All of you who called in, and all of you who didn't call in, but you told everybody, I'm done with the NFL. I am not watching another football game again. They have insulted me. They have insulted America. They are not patriotic. And whatever you said, and whatever you believed or still believe, I told you, you'd watch. I told you, America will still watch. It is really easy in the moment, when you're fired up and you're upset about something, in that moment, I'm done. I'm swearing off the National Football Yeah, I'm never going to watch an NFL football game again. I feel the same way about boycotts. Everybody wants to boycott. I'm never going to that department store again. I, so help me, I will never buy clothes from that manufacturer again. I'm never... Okay. Like, fine. I'll check in with you in a month. I'll check in with you in a year. In this case, I'll check in with you five years later. Five years later. And people are watching the NFL. The National Football League, as a viewing entity, continues to dominate. And I just want to point out the irony of so many People swearing off the NFL, but give it time. And for those of us here in this area and in this state, within the sound of my voice, give the Packers a 13-3 and record, give them Super Bowl hopes, and you'll watch their games. It's as simple as that. So that's my first point. But larger... Okay, larger story here is that it is up. It is up. Why? I have a few different variables at play. There are, in some of the stories about the ratings being up, there are a couple of variables that are listed. I don't know if I agree with them necessarily, but mm, so be it. I should say, these are, what would you say, these are anecdotal variables that I think explain such a such a, a ratings hike in NFL televised games. It's my belief there's one, without the numbers, there's one big reason why ratings are up. How would you explain it? How would you explain it? There are several answers. 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855 Six one six one six twenty. You know, I'm often accused of saying the phone number too quickly. I kid you not. There are times, a couple, 
couple times a year, maybe three, four times a year, where our receptionist, Janique, will actually come down here and remind me to say the phone number slower than I am. She says, Scott, I get calls at the front desk complaining that you say the phone number too quickly. So I don't have any resolutions planned for 2022. That will be one of my radio resolutions, okay? I am going to hereby make a resolution to recite the phone number slower than I have. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are several reasons why this year's TV and digital platform viewing of the NFL games is up 10% from last year, and it is the highest since 2015, pre-Kaepernick. Why? What are the factors at play? What's the reason for that? Give me your hypothesis. 855-616-1620. Scott in for Jeff. I'll give you my answers, my variables, my reasons, and my big reason when we come back on WTMJ. Why have more of us watched NFL football during this year's regular season than last year by 10% and more since most since 2015? What was different this year? What was different? What is different? What is changing? That's a clue as to my big reason why, by the way. What do you think? What is your theory on this? Let's start with Mike. Hello, Mike. You're on WTMJ. How do you explain this? How do you explain it? So I, I have a few theories. Obviously, I had heard earlier today about that the games are a lot uh, so many games were decided on the last play. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that today, so I, maybe that's part of it. But without that, my feelings are, A, the Colin Kaepernick thing happened a long time ago. You know, time seems to heal things. Um, B, I don't see anyone doing that anymore. I don't see anyone taking a knee during the national anthem. So I think that's another thing. And third, I think that with our current political climate and everything that's going on with covid People are in need of that entertainment factor to kind of escape. And um, those would be my three answers without seeing any statistics. Those are good. Those are really good, Mike. Thanks for the call. I'll let you fly. Uh, First of all, yes, yes. And I realize there was an extra week of regular season games, so the numbers will be up, but that's not the major reason. Um, Yeah, there weren't many blowouts. This is one of the reasons that Mike said it. According to the league... 64% of all games this season were within one score in the fourth quarter. Think about that. 64% of all games within one score in the fourth quarter. So, games were just more entertaining. They were just, they were good games. And more people are going to watch. That is a factor. Um, Yes. COVID continuing, the pandemic continuing, gives us, as a texter also echoes, relief. (laughs) Football is a relief from politics. It's a relief from COVID. What you see is what you get. No lies, just real entertainment. Competition without hate. Well, except Bears Packers. Ah, so refreshing. Yes, that is a factor as well. Give us bread and circus. 
and there is no greater bread and circus in the 21st century than the National Football League. This is another reason that the um, another reason they say is follow this. I don't know if I agree with this. Do you agree with this? It was expected that the NFL's overall TV audience would increase after the 2020 season was played during the pandemic with empty stadiums presenting a strange viewing dynamic and many people's viewing habits changing. I didn't stop watching because there was nobody in the seats. I, I guess I don't follow that. I don't follow that line of thinking. If anything, more people would have watched last year because they couldn't physically be in the seats. Mm-hmm. Here's another factor at play compared to last year, at least. The first half of last year occurred during a presidential campaign. And believe it or not, in a presidential election year and football falls during the autumn. People are watching their favorite cable news network, debates, political coverage, and that stuff. So that actually is another factor at play. There's something else going on here. and These aren't wrong answers, by the way, but I think there's something else. And I'm kind of surprised, to be honest, that this article I'm reading from ESPN.com, I'm surprised that they did not reference this. Um, I'm surprised they didn't reference this. Diane from Oconomowoc suggests also I think a lot more women enjoy watching football now than they used to back in the day. I think that's a factor. Here's another factor, by the way. This isn't my my uh, my big my big answer. I think there's just less competition on television. <laughs> like, tell me what else people are going to watch other than the football game. They're, I mean. This isn't the years where you had the great sitcoms, the great dramas on a Thursday night. How in the world could the NFL compete with the NBC lineup of Friends and Seinfeld, Cheers and whatever? You know, well, they could have never competed then, but that's not the case anymore. So I just think there's less competition, quite frankly. Here's the other thing at play. Nobody called in with this. One person texted this in. I give credit to the 414. You know what's happening right now that wasn't happening as much last year? Do you know what's happening right now that certainly was not happening in 2015? I can now watch a Thursday night game, for example... In over half the states in this country, I can tune in and watch, what is a stupid, meaningless matchup, let's say. Uh, I can watch the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Miami Dolphins on a Thursday night, and I can make money off of that. There are 30 states where sports betting is now legal, including 18 that allow sports Uh, I'm sorry, 18 that allow online sports wagering. That means there's about 100 million Americans that can place a legal wager where they live. If you can make money, you will watch football. If I can make money, I can make a few bucks on a Thursday night during that Cincinnati Bengals-Miami Dolphins game. (laughs) You better believe I'm going to be tuning in to watch. 
And that number is only going to grow as sports betting, online or otherwise, continues to become more commonplace in our society and across this country. That is going to mean there's more eyeballs on the football games, either on television or digital platforms, because the ratings combine both. More people care because more people have some skin in the game, right? Absolutely. I'm very surprised. And maybe other stories that covered the ratings increase mentioned that as a variable. I'm just using the story ESPN put out, and I'm quite surprised that they did not include the sports betting element as a big factor as to why more people watched NFL games now than any year since 2015. You may not like the idea. Scott, don't say sports betting. That's one of the dirty underbellies of society. Sorry. It's here. It's here to stay. It's only going to grow in popularity because it is legal now. The the shadow over sports betting is disappearing, if not altogether gone. And if I can make money watching a pointless Monday night game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Jacksonville Jaguars, you better believe it's going to be on my screen. See, and and you're proving my point here. Ken from Greenfield says, the NASCAR pool at work ended... And so I stopped watching NASCAR. Yeah, if if you... (laughs) They're tied. It's all about the fringe. Like, if if you're a diehard football fan, you were going to watch. You were going to watch whether people were kneeling or standing. You were going to watch whether games were good or bad. Whenever something is on the uptick, especially entertainment and and ratings and things like that, it's, it's the people on the fringe, right? It's the ancillary people that are, ah, I'm kind of a fan. Ah, so-so. If it's on, I'll watch. It's getting those people's eyeballs on the game that will ultimately swing the pendulum of the ratings one way or another. That's what gives it the boost. By the way, a texter says, um, Scott, I agree with you 100% about the sports betting. It's a different kind of thrill than going to a table game or a slot machine in a casino. It makes you more invested, which again will make you watch a meaningless football game, which again is happening in 30 states around the country. The only question is when will Wisconsin make it legal for more casinos to have it, and when will it come to Milwaukee? I've said this before, don't hold your breath in terms of Madison making a you know a legislative change to make it legal in our state they would have to change the constitution amend the state constitution to do it now remember uh that governor evers has worked with several of the uh, uh uh different tribes the native american tribes in our state to make it legal um last year it was july the Evers administration amended the compact with the Oneida Nation to allow sports betting at that tribe's casino. That was the first time that it had become authorized in our state. And then a second one as well. I'm looking at a story from uh, about the last week in December. Governor Evers signing a deal allowing gambling on sports and other events at the St. Croix Chippewa Tribal Casinos. So 
if 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 that's going to happen, this is how we're going to see it in our state anytime soon because it, good luck getting it passed through the legislature and the governor's office in Madison. Potawatomi, I know, has said it's something they're working on, and it seems like an inevitability at some point here if you're thinking in the Milwaukee area at Potawatomi Casino. So that'll be the place where we go. And I will. I have said, the only, I've been to Vegas, I don't know, three, four times. I'm not a big gambler. I'm not a, yeah, sit there at the craps table and let it ride, let it roll, or hit me. No, I'm not a card game guy. The one time I remember gambling, the one time I did gamble at a casino in Vegas, I sat at the sports book all day. It was when the Heat NBA, it was when Miami Heat played the Dallas Mavericks like the first time was that 06 07 and i remember i placed a wager on i think will the miami heat have at least 60 points at halftime i mean you really get into some of those um well not prop bets i forget what they're called it's some of those little transactional wagers i'm telling you folks i was on the edge of my seat for the first half of a mavericks heat game and i won that will draw me to a casino when Potawatomi legalizes sports betting when they get it installed and authorized i will be there i will it's here to stay get used to it and with it comes the ratings i'm scott warris in for jeff wagner when we come back today's the day i've had it with hotels there's been a development in hotels across this country that the moment I walk inside a hotel room, it stops me in my tracks. I don't like it, and we need to talk about it. We're talking about the NFL before. Are you going to go get uh, your Packers Lay's? You can only get them on Twitter. The, the the potato chips with Packers soil. I give credit to the folks at Lay's. You saw that. I give credit to the folks at Lay's. It's creative, right? They they took a little dirt from twenty nine NFL team stadiums. Like they actually took dirt from underneath the grass, and then they took that bag of dirt, and they took it down to Texas. Yeah. And they used the soil there. They mixed, the, for example, the Lambo soil with the Texas dirt, grew the potatoes, and now if you eat those potato chips, it was grown with Lambo soil. <laughs> that's just, I, that's really creative. That is really creative. I would have never thought of that. That's why probably I don't, I don't work in sales and marketing. Hey, I got an idea. What if we go and harvest dirt? from these NFL stadiums. And then we take that dirt down to Texas where we grow our potatoes and eventually make our potato chips. We take that dirt, we mix it in a specific plot of land, and we grow potato t- potatoes and thus make potato chips using partial soil from the team. And then we can sell those chips as official Packers chips or Bears chips or... You know what's... We- Vike? Okay, here's a question. Where- where's the story? Oh, here... Wait a minute. 29 NFL teams. The ones that didn't were Broncos, Bengals, and Browns. So, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if you have a turf stadium? 
the Vikings, you can get Vikings chips, but the Vi- there's no dirt under the turf. It's from outside. Yeah. It's from the planters Why outside. Why isn't that addressed? Why did I just think of this now? Wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. In Dallas, they have a turf field. There's no dirt under the turf. Well, how did that? I don't know. Somebody find the answer to that. Tell me, would you? If if you buy... <laughs> In a minute here. Climb up on the grassy knoll with me for a second here. What exactly is Lay's trying to pull off here? Huh? Hmm? As a Packers fan, it's on the up and up. But if you're a Vikings fan and you have artificial turf in your stadium, if you're a Cowboys fan and your stadium is turfed, if you're a Rams or a Chargers fan in Los Angeles, you play on turf. And yet, they claim that those potato chips are from potatoes grown in soil that included soil from your football field. How is that possible if your football field itself does not contain soil? Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Somebody said they're just rubber chips. They use the little pellets, those rubber pellets that are... Okay. Um, Hear me out on this. This is something that I've been thinking about for a couple of years. Yeah, this has been mulling around in my mind. I have a lot of free time in my mind for at least a few years now. When is the last time you stayed in a hotel? And the last, I want you to think for just a second. The last time you did, when you walked into the hotel, was there a carpeting or not? My guess is, odds are good, there was not carpeting. There has been, in the last, I'll say five to seven years, this is, this was before COVID. And I don't know if I can pin it on the Hiltons or the Marriott's, the two big juggernaut hospitality entities in our country, right? And internationally. I don't know about you. I cannot stand the trend of walking into a hotel room that does not have carpeting. I do not like it at all. What is going on? What is happening? There is something about getting into your hotel room and walking in, taking your shoes off, socks on. You don't want to walk around barefoot. I try not to, at least in a hotel room. And enjoy carpeting. And let me just say this. You don't realize how much you enjoy hotel carpeting until it's gone. There has been a trend in recent years, like I say, like five to seven years, where laminate flooring has been installed in these hotels. I assume it's for cleaning purposes. It's a lot easier to clean a hard surface than a carpeted surface. But as a customer of these hotels, I can't stand it. It loses its comfort when I'm walking around on a hard wood, in essence, floor. I cannot stand it. And I don't know what we can do to thwart this trend in our country. But has anybody else noticed this? Am I the only one? 
I have a feeling there are more of you out there that have realized it. There's a couple other things happening in hotel rooms that have changed. You know, these hotels will remodel not often, it's expensive, but you know, every, I don't know, maybe once a decade or so, they'll remodel their rooms. And a lot of these rooms are becoming more modern. Yes, we're trendy. The kids are here now staying. Hey, we gotta, we gotta take the carpeting out and put in laminate flooring. And it sucks. I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. You know what? I feel like I can't walk barefoot in a hotel room that doesn't have carpeting. I can't walk in socks. I have to have shoes on the whole time, which, which takes away a big perk of the hotel because you want to relax. I want to take my shoes off, right? You know what's really bad? You know when it feels that it's worse? You wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or you wake up early in the morning and you're staggering to the bathroom. You don't remember where the bathroom is because you forgot you're in a hotel and you don't know where you are for that moment. And you get out of bed, you turn, and your feet hit that cold surface floor. I hate it. I don't like this trend in hotels. And there's a modernization happening within society and within these hotels. There are other developments, too, that I don't care for. But the flooring. Lisa's in Mequon. Hello, Lisa. Hi there. How are you today? I'm all right. Have you noticed this? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. Have you noticed this recently? I was at the Radisson in Green Bay. Since you mentioned names before, I figured I could do that. They remodeled their rooms with no carpet, and the cold feet when you have to go to the bathroom, that is my biggest peeve right now. Wait, what? what's wrong in the bathroom? Oh, the cold feet, cold feet, yeah. No, so, no, the cold floor, the cold floor, what right, you just said. Right. That was, that's the worst. It's the worst. It's terrible. What? I don't. I, I, it's got to be for cleaning purposes. It's probably because it's a lot cleaner to do that than it is carpeting, because there could be stains in the carpeting and you can't see it because it's dark carpeting. But as a customer, it is so disconcerting. It is so uncomfortable. It gives me the creeps to walk around in a hotel room that doesn't have carpeting, and I feel like it's happening more often than not. This is the new cool, trendy thing. It's a very cold feeling. Literally and figuratively. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Lisa has noticed this as well. Maybe I'm alone. I know. I notice things that many people don't. I'm weird that way. Rob is in Port Washington. (laughs) Hey, Rob. Yeah, I prefer bare floors, a hard floor that can be mopped once in a while. I've been in hotels where I walk with my socks on from my bed to the bathroom and back. And by the time I'm back to the bed, the bottoms of the socks are totally black. Eesh. Where where are you staying? What hotel? What in what hotels are you staring staying, Rob? <laughs> Super eight and you know low low end hotels, but you know. Okay, um, but you know what though, Rob? It's it. I appreciate the call. Thanks. Part of it is out of sight, out of mind, right? Because the carpeting by design, is dark in a hotel. That way you don't see the stains. That way when the carpet gets dirty, you can't see it right away. That's intentional. But if I don't see the stain, if I can't see the dirt in the carpet, it's like it's not there. It's a, it's a, it's a psychological thing. I realize that. Kelly's in Slinger. Hello, Kelly. Scott, 
no, no. Kelly, yes, you, yes. Have, have you, Scott, have you seen Kelly. people's feet? Do, do you want to put your bare feet on the same carpet where someone else's dirty, stinky feet have been? Kids have spilled their their juice and their soda, and people have put their gum and God knows what else. No. Well, just hold on a second. So, Kelly, are you saying every time you've been to a hotel and you walk in and your room has carpeting, you're always in your shoes? You never take your shoes off? Uh, here's what I do. I either bring slippers or I bring socks, and I never take them off. I'm not kidding. Oh, look. Car- I, carpet's disgusting. I'll meet you. I'll meet you at socks. I really don't go barefoot in a hotel because even I realize uh, you just, you know, there, there, there's stuff there. But walking on a, walking on a cold laminate surface in a hotel is, it, 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 it I can never get comfortable. I can never reach a level of comfort in a hotel room that doesn't have carpeting. You know what I feel like, Kelly? When I'm in a hotel room that doesn't have carpeting, I feel like I'm in a classroom. I feel like I'm staying in a classroom. It, it, that is the first thought that comes to my mind. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in a meeting room somewhere. It's just I, I can't ever get fully relaxed Unless there's carpeting there. Not to mention, Kelly, a couple people on the text line have said carpeting also helps with sound. And if you'll notice, if, if you know the, the people above you, the people next to you, but really above you, if there's not carpeting and there's kids walking around or marching around, you can hear it a lot easier than if there's carpeting absorbing those sound waves. Maybe, maybe, and I will give you that, but I think it's minor compared to knowing what's in that carpet and what you're bringing home with you when you pack up all your socks and shoes. I, I would rather have cold feet than have my feet on dirty, stinky carpet mm. any day. Mm. You know what else you see, Kelly, on the uh, floors that are not carpeted? You see a lot of hair. Like I'll, I'll, you, you see the long strands of hair, and sometimes there's crumbs on the floor, and I realize, well, Scott, they would be there on carpeting, too, but then I can't see it. And if I can't see it, I don't realize it's there. And if I don't think about it being there, it's like a, it's not there at all. If you have a good uh, a hotel that has a good cleaning crew, you're not going to see that as much. I've been to a lot of hotels, specifically the Disney hotels, where you've got lots of kids, and they do a remarkable job of cleaning those floors to make sure that you don't see those things. You have to go to the right places, Scott. Well, look, we are not all living the affluent lifestyle of you, Kelly. Some of us <laughs> have to just slum it at certain spots. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Kelly. Scott, you're slumming it if you're going to a hotel with carpet. <laughs> Thanks for the call. <laughs> There's two other observations about a recent development in hotels beyond the carpet no carpet debate we'll just i'll share that with you when we come back real quick the other two developments in hotels follow me here they have altered the bathroom door they've altered the bathroom door it is now more or less a barn door it is a sliding barn door. <laughs> it is. It is. And they they don't have a lock. It's not as if the sliding door, you know, goes into and out of the wall. It's 
outside the framework of the wall. It's outside the door frame. And so you can imagine when you're closing this sliding, what I call barn door, it doesn't really seal around the edges. So if you have a roommate or you're there with your significant other, whatever the case may be, the, uh, <laughs> well, the sounds, <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> smells, they can permeate because there's a gap around the door. And the other observation, I want you to think now, the next time you're in a hotel, think of these things we've discussed here. Think also of, uh, you know, the last time you were in a hotel. There's a lot, well, less storage space, would I say it? They've gone with the hip, cool, trendy closets that are eh, maybe a foot and a half wide. I may be a little facetious there. You know, a foot and a half, two feet wide, a couple of hangers in there. You don't you don't get a lot of drawers anymore to put things. And I was trying to find the article. I must have read it maybe five years ago or so. And it, it alluded to the pending changes. There are outlets all over the place now because everybody has phones and laptops and people are plugging it. I gotta charge this, I gotta charge that, I gotta be able to access this, I gotta be able to access that. All of that. Um this has become the new norm. And there's got to be some hotel science behind it based on people's habits, people's practices as those in hotel management have watched the trends. I guess people travel lighter now. They don't need all that storage space. There's reasons for it. I'll have to dig it up again because I need to know it. I need my carpeting in my hotel room. Give me an old-fashioned bathroom door. <laughs> and just like, give me two drawers. Can I have two drawers instead of four hangers? That would help me out a little bit more. And to the person who asked, Scott, what bothers you more? A lack of Cinnabon restaurants in your community or the lack of carpeted hotel rooms in your life? You know what? I'm going to have to think on that. I may have to sleep on that. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Final hour on a Thursday afternoon. Jeff is out the next few days. I'll be with you tomorrow. And Monday as well. He'll be back on Tuesday at 12 o'clock. No, we'll get to Girl Scout cookies. I don't know. Somebody texted in saying... What does that mean? What do you what do you mean, Warris? What does that mean that my personality tells me what type of cookie I am? I did this on nights last night, WTMJ Nights. I did it to Alex, Alex Crow. Uh we had some fun with this. I thought, you know what the heck, I'll bring it back. Maybe we'll put uh, Greg. We'll we'll put Greg Pancake Hill who's producing. Maybe we'll put you through the quiz ringer here in just a little bit. Um just to uh, reiterate some breaking news here, Molly Beck in the Journal Sentinel reporting that Governor Evers is deploying the Wisconsin National Guard members to long-term care facilities across the state in order to free up space in hospitals facing a record number of COVID-19 infections. The goal is to open up at least 200 beds in care facilities by the end of February to allow hospitals to discharge patients who no longer need their care but cannot go home. Hmm. I was reading up today on just as it, as it COVID in general here, just as it you know applies to the overall fatigue 
it is hard. It is, it it gets harder. It really does when you you hear day after day the numbers are up and they are. I'm not I'm not you know discounting the statistics, the numbers that are there. It's the reality of our situation and the fatigue that is setting in. And there is fatigue setting in. It is hard to get yourself to a place where you are as vigilant as you were a year ago at this time, or almost two years ago at this time. And I don't know how you feel about it, or how you're dealing with that. I think in some ways, and sometimes, in some cases, and you know, I, I find myself a little more lax than I, I once was, and I think we all fight that. And I know some of you have poo-pooed this from the beginning, and I think you've been proven wrong by now as to the severity of this. We don't have that conversation anymore, thank goodness. But it is difficult to remain vigilant in a way that we once did. Partially because we allowed ourselves to relax. Society allowed ourselves to relax. The numbers went down. And now we got to ramp it up again. And I'm just telling you, it is hard. I don't know that I can get back to where I was. I'm concerned, of course, sure, and I know many of you are concerned, of course, sure, as well. But do you do all the little things that we were doing last year and the year before that? Maybe, but probably not. Do you do all the all the things that you need to do when nobody is looking? Maybe you do, but probably not. It There is a fatigue to it. Do I listen to as many news conferences from the CDC and the health organizations of this country and of this world like I used to? No. Admittedly, I don't. I need to go back. You know what I need to do? I need to go back and... into the history books. I want to learn more about... And I encourage you to do this, too. How did they handle it 100 years ago? You know, in 2020, I spent a lot of time comparing and contrasting how did they handle uh, the spread? How did they handle it from a from a governmental standpoint? What was the mask pushback 100 years ago to now? I need to go and I need to find some of the documented stories on did they have pandemic fatigue? I'm sure imagine they did. Pandemic fatigue the last time we went through this, I don't know. It's just, it's tough right now. It really is. And I know there are some of you that poo-poo it and you'll poo-poo it and eh, we got to live our lives and do this. And I, I think there are still, and, and Jeff has outlined this, I think, pretty accurately in, in the way he describes the how do we live our lives in the era of the pandemic, in the era of COVID? How can we strike that balance? How can we still... How can we still be vigilant and yet live our lives? How can we still be strict in our handling of this, in how we interact with one another, and yet still go to the store and still do things in society? Because we realize that we, we look, wherever you are politically, being shut up and shut in 
for months at a time and shutting everything down for months at a time, that was necessary. It ran its course, and now we are living with COVID, which is a phrase, incidentally, that I remember hearing a lot in 2020, right? Well, you know, this is something that's going to be around. How do we live with it? And now here we are, year two, almost into year, the third calendar year. How do you live with it? And I don't think we know yet. So if you're frustrated like I am, if you're facing that fatigue like a lot of us, just recognize that there still is no game plan for this. There's no script for this. I mean, we know, of course, we know a lot more than we did before, but there's still no, well, here's what you do. And then when the second year rolls around, here's how you act, and here's what you do, and here's where you go. Here's what you shut down, here's what you keep open. No, 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 there isn't. So, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to... <laughs> just, <laughs> just The frustration of the day, the frustration of our lives, the frustration of what we're all going through right now, it bubbles up. I still wear a mask to protect you. You wear a mask to protect me. If you're not feeling well, think of those around you. Do what you have to do. It really does come down to selflessness and and trying to be unselfish in your decision-making, right? I mean, all of us have those days, have those moments, have those interactions where, oh, I got a little tickle. Well... What does that mean? It's still very much a we over me mentality. I used to say that every day in 2020, right? We over me. It's still very much how do my actions impact others? And we're still very much responsible to each other and have to make those personal decisions one way or another. Okay, there you go. I'm going to get off my COVID soapbox now. I'll bring it back out tomorrow. Don't worry. I will preach again from the soapbox tomorrow. Uh, Something very trivial, not at all important. You could even call it silly. Some of you may even call it ridiculous when we come back. Scott Warrison for Jeff. On WTMJ, till 3 o'clock, of course. I don't know about you, um, but um, it's Girl Scout cookie season. I, did, uh, I didn't know it was. I think it's just the beginning of it. So you probably haven't, if you are in the office, you probably have not yet seen the, the order forms going around yet. I couldn't tell you when Girl Scout season is. I know it's not in the wintertime. I should say, I know it's not towards the end of the year because it doesn't, you know, intersect with the holidays, per se. And I know it's not in the middle of summer, so I guess by default, well, maybe it's early in the year. It's here. Congratulations. I said last night, WTMJ nights, 6 to 9 weekdays, when there isn't a game and I have a show. I said last night, quick message out there, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, send the kids out themselves. And I realize COVID has thrown a wrench into that, but as much as you can, let them do the work. That's the... That's the point. Let them do the work. But there's a new cookie. And I feel like, because who doesn't like Girl Scout cookies? 
Everybody likes Girl Scout cookies, just a matter of which ones you like and which ones you don't like. There's a new one. They're called Adventurefuls. Adventurefuls. An indulgent brownie-inspired cookie with caramel. Is it caramel or caramel? Caramel? I'm of the caramel camp. You're a caramel camper? I'm a caramel camper. Then I'll go caramel. Naturally. Caramel-flavored cream and a hint of sea salt. Adventurefuls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During the past two years, the Girl Scouts adapted selling methods to replace in-person cookie booths with contactless drive-through cookie stands. Um, well, that's very good. You could go, you could go and get a COVID test on a Girl Scout cookie box. You drive up, you get tested, jam it up your nostril, then move along to the next tent and buy yourself some cookies. But so I don't I don't know if this one is included. But I came across. A Girl Scout cookie quiz. Have you seen this? Have you done this? Have you heard it? This is such a thing. This is a thing. It matches your personality to a cookie. And lest you think, well, my favorite is a thin mint, so I'm obviously a thin mint. No, not so much. That isn't necessarily the case. I, for example, enjoy the thin mint. However... That isn't necessarily the cookie that I am. I took the quiz, so I don't want to take it now, but I thought this would be a good opportunity to put somebody through the quiz. So I'm going to turn literally and figuratively. There's eight questions to this quiz, okay? And you can play at home, too. And I'm going to let Greg Pancake Hill take the cookie quiz. All right, Greg, there are eight questions. Multiple choice questions, and based on your answer, we will determine what cookie you are. Let me start by saying, what is your favorite Girl Scout cookie? Uh, I am a Thin Mint lifer. Okay, fair enough. What is your favorite color? Red, orange, green, purple, or blue? Orange. 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 All right, so we click on orange. Pick a pet. There are four pictures, but I will describe them. A little kitten sitting on its hind legs. A bushy squirrel holding a nut. A little puppy poised to pounce. Or a rabbit with its ears perked up, ready to hop. Puppy poised to pounce. We'll click on that. How would you finish this sentence? In high school, I was everyone's best friend, the straight-A student, popular, the class clown. Which of those four would best fit you? Closest. Best, best friend. Click on that. All right. Question number four. This is the Girl Scout cookie quiz. What's for dessert? And there's a picture of a slice of uh, cheesecake. There is a picture of a sliced Reese's peanut butter cup. Or how about a waffle cone with what looks like mint chocolate chip ice cream in it? And the fourth option is some sort of apple brownie a la mode. So there's the four. Which dessert would you pick? Uh, cheesecake speaks to me. Okay. Question number five. <clears throat> How do you answer this question? Play along, everybody. Why did the chicken cross the road? A, to boldly go where no chicken has gone before. B, when I was your age, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. Someone told us the chicken crossed the road, and that was good enough for us. <laughs> C, peanut butter. D, to get to the other side. Which of those answers would you like to select? To get to the other side. All right. What's most important? This is question six. What's most important? Consistency, nostalgia, taste, friends. Which of those four is most important to you? (laughs) Just not a cookie, just anything. Consistency, nostalgia, taste, 
Friends. What's most important on that list uh, in life? Um, friends. Oh. All right. This is question number seven. Which piece of art would you select? And I will describe the four images. One is uh, a potter with a, uh, a uh, ceramic bowl being crafted on the uh, spindle. I don't know what the term is. You know, it's the scene, the theme, uh, the uh, scene out of Ghost. You know, they're making the potter. Well, not that scene. Uh, there is then the Mona Lisa. The next image is Van Gogh's Starry Night portrait. And the last picture is a person with their face painted in all kinds of colors. Which of those is your piece of art? Uh, face painted with face all the different colors. Face painted with colors. And the last question in the Girl Scout cookie quiz so to you, Greg Pancake Hill. Would you like to dance? And your response, don't mind if I do. Your response is, you start dancing and you say, try to keep up. Ew, I'm married. Or swing your partner round and round. Try to keep up. Try to keep up. All right. Greg Hill. The result is you are a tag-along. Oh, okay. Or a do si because they have this different names sure, for the yes. same cookie. Life is like a box of peanut butter. You always know what you're going to get. Now go get the jar and your peanut butter spoon and go to town. Your cookies are the tag-alongs, a.k.a. peanut butter patties. Crispy cookies layered with peanut butter and covered with a chocolatey coating. Or the dosi doughs, which are crunchy oatmeal sandwich cookies with peanut butter filling. So there you have it. You may like Thin Mints, but you, based on the personality test we just took, you are a tag-along slash dosi dough. Would you like to know what kind of cookie I was when I took this test yesterday? Of course. I'm the shortbread cookie. <laughs> now, why do you laugh? Alex Crow laughed last night when I told him that, too. Uh, I am the shortbread cookie, with the description being, you basic. The Starbucks pumpkin spice latte should return sometime around August. Traditional shortbread cookies baked in the shape of the iconic Girl Scout trefoil. Yeah. I'm a shortbread. You are a do do What are you? Your Girl Scout cookie profile. You're welcome, folks. That's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, 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 start with C. Yeah! People taking the test at home now. Should have tweeted that out. Maybe we can share that. What was that link? Ah, it's out there. It's out there. Yeah, I'm a shortbread cookie. Yeah, deal with it. <laughs> hey, it's the most pop. Is it most popular? No, I think Thin Mints probably. I don't know. I'll have to get the numbers once we get into the heart of uh, Girl Scout cookie season. My guess is Thin Mints are the number one seller. Shortbread probably a close second, but that's just that's my unofficial hypothesis. I have a bad story of a bad surgeon who did a bad thing. It's a Thursday Wagnerless show edition of Great Scott. In the home stretch here on this Thursday afternoon. And as I like to do, whether I'm filling in for Jeff or Steve 
or doing the usual WTMG Nights program, 6 to 9, when there's not a game, I always make a little time for this. Great Scott! All right. You know, there are, over the course of the year, you will hear some disturbing stories that we learn happen in operating rooms. And I know it freaks some people out. There are, I, I, remember, I forget who I knew, a friend of mine or just some acquaintance. I talked to somebody who said, I am constantly, I would be completely paranoid, they said, if I go under the knife for even if the most remedial procedure. And I, I don't know what the doctor's doing. How do I know they're not, you know, making jokes and laughing? And Or remember, there was that dentist a few years ago who was on that, uh, like a hoverboard or something like that, right? It wasn't the hoverboard. Uh, what were they called? Not hoverboard. Was it a hoverboard? What was it? You know, the thing that uh, you... you It has two wheels. Yeah, those are called hoverboards. Hoverboard. I think if they get the right thing. And, and you, you dictate the speed and the direction just by the Correct. the moment momentum of your body. Remember that? It was a dentist who was handling a person and he was on a little hoverboard. Anyway... The name is Dr. S- former Dr. Simon Bramhall. He finished transplanting the liver inside a patient in 2013 before going back for a final flourish. He's a transplant surgeon. He went back and he used an electric beam to burn his initials into his patient's organs. Yeah, that's the thing. He's 57 now. He used an electric beam to burn the letters S and B, his initials, into the organ he just put into the patient. The doctor had branded the unsuspecting woman's new liver with his monogram. But another surgeon discovered the initials during a follow-up surgery when the organ failed about a week later. Well, this week... He lost his ability to practice medicine. It took a while. The 2013 liver transplant at a hospital in Birmingham, England, was one of two times, not once, one of two times, the once-respected doctor burned his initials into a patient's organ, according to disciplinary records. It was something... Now, if I were to ask why, why do you think Doctor, former Dr. Bramhell burned his initials into the organs of the transplant recipient. You want to take a guess, Greg? Why would he do it? Why would somebody do this? My best guess is he just wanted to, like, a pride thing to count how many cases he's done. Or he's just weird. (laughs) Sounds like a weird dude. That too. It was, he found, a stress reliever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have these doctors. They're all hyped. They're all stressed out. You know how he relieves stress? I burn my initials. I brand the organs that I'm implanting in my patients. Wow. Now, yes, he was stripped of his medical license. He was also convicted of assault and fined. In 2018, where he was employed, the hospital told the BBC the surgeon had made a mistake, but said it had no impact whatsoever on the quality of his clinical outcomes. 
This guy became a doctor, you know, long ago. And you're saying, how, how do you do that? He used an argon beam coagulator to burn his initials into patients at the end of their surgeries. Once in February 2013, and again in August of 2013. They use these beams to stop bleeding during operations or to mark an area in preparation for upcoming procedures. Such marks normally heal and disappear. Because I know what you're thinking. Well, how did he how did he get caught? Well, at least one of the livers that the good doctor, Brandon, was otherwise damaged, leaving it unable to heal and erase the doctor's initials. So when the patient goes back in to have the procedure and the liver tended to again, a colleague of Dr. Bramhill's notices, what, what, what is this? There are letters on her liver. An S and a B. One thing leads to another. They trace it back to the doctor who had operated on the initial transplant, and there you have it. This doesn't, this doesn't help infuse a lot of confidence in surgeons. I realize this is rare. God, I hope that this is rare. But nevertheless, he probably thought he got away with it too. But again, you know, just if I may, when you brand your initials into a human organ, there's a chance they're going to be able to track you down. Just saying. He won't practice again, nor should he. And there it is. On this Thursday afternoon, a Wagnerless show edition of Great Scott. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. And um, before we turn it over to Wisconsin's afternoon news in a couple of minutes, there's a developing situation right now we're just learning of uh, in downtown Milwaukee. Uh, around the Buffalo Water Street area. What is that, the uh, third ward? Let's send it over to uh, Eric Bilstad, who is joining us live from our WTMJ Breaking News Center. Eric, what do we have? Catch us up to speed here. What's going on? Scott, what are you hearing? Good afternoon. So, right now, it's very fluid, a very active situation taking place in the third ward. We do know that there is a very large police presence near Water and Buffalo as we speak. We're looking to confirm some details. We're trying to send some crews into that spot right now. Uh, lots of rumors flying right now on social media that we want to get locked in first before we start reporting. But a very active scene involving many police in the third ward area of Milwaukee this afternoon. Now, we have gotten some calls on this, people saying they've seen detectives screaming around that area. They've seen uh, paramedics. They've seen officers as well, some squads. Again, this is in the Water Street Buffalo area of the third ward there, which is a fairly tight little uh, spot of the city, Scott. You know, some of those areas get fairly tight there. And as of now, nothing but just... That is what we can report to you, and I, I apologize for being so vague, but we want to lock in some more of the details here before we bring that to everybody. But if anyone is in that area, they have some can, can be our eyes on the ground. We would encourage you to give us a phone call at 855-616-1620 on the Academy Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But as of now, very active hmm. in the Third Ward area. So I'm just, I, I've uh, called up that intersection just to kind of have it a little bit more, uh, you know, top of mind. That's the intersection where... Uh, uh, you've got the Milwaukee Ale House, I think, is a restaurant yep, that's right. that, that that's uh, right near that intersection. Um, hmm. It's 
well, like you say, maybe about one, I'm counting maybe one, two blocks or so south of the Milwaukee Public Market, right? Mm-hmm. Right on uh, on Water Street there. And uh, as you imagine here, we have, we're not quite in the, in the rush hour period of the day, to say the least. But um, if you're in that area or if you have to go through that area, avoid that area right now. Again, we're talking about the, the neighborhood, at least the intersection right now of Buffalo and Water with a heavily uh, reports of a heavy, very heavy police presence uh, in that area, and this is one of those situations, Scott, where this happens often, where you you know the the social media starts running rampant, and we just want to be very careful about what we are reporting on the air versus what is being speculated on social media in a case like this. So that's why we want to be very delicate about what we're reporting right now. Other than that, it's a very fluid and active situation in the third ward, and it's. The middle of the afternoon on a, on a Thursday afternoon, so you'd imagine that obviously the pandemic is upon us and not everyone is out and working right now and in the different cities and areas, but you can imagine that there's going to be some traffic, like you said, mm-hmm. in this area as well as they continue to look that area. It looks like they are blocking off a portion. Again, this is near Water and Buffalo in the third ward. Getting our crews in there. We're trying to get our arms around what's going on here. Okay, um, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. Eric Bilstead joining us from our WTMJ Breaking News Center. Again, a developing situation there near the intersection of Water Street and uh, Buffalo. That is in Milwaukee's historic Third Ward. Um, If you're in that area and can describe uh, what you're seeing, uh, give us a call, 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. I would add this caveat, as there there is uh, plenty of uh, social media speculation as to what would be happening. Please don't. Please don't speculate. Uh, I heard this. I heard that. I talked to somebody who talked to somebody who heard that. In the end, you may be correct, but I hope you realize when we when we rely on you to be our eyes and ears on the ground, there's a certain responsibility that, that, that we have to each other to not pass along that speculation. But 855-616-1620, if you're in a position to explain what you're seeing, uh, we would welcome your calls and your texts. We'll continue with more in just a moment. Scott Warris, join by Eric Bilstad following this developing situation, a heavy police presence near the intersection of Water and Buffalo in Milwaukee. That is, of course, the historic Third Ward neighborhood. And we'll continue with more after this on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. This is Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner on this Thursday for just a couple minutes longer before we turn it over to uh, John Mercure and the Wisconsin's Afternoon News Team. Eric Bilstad from our Breaking News Center is here as well. As we, Eric, are continuing to monitor a uh, situation, a law enforcement situation, I guess we can call it, in the third ward near the intersection of Water and Buffalo, Water Street and Buffalo there in the third ward. And uh, we're waiting to confirm some things on our end, but uh, looking around at uh, the um, other news entities here in town, Eric, and uh, WISN Channel 12 News is reporting, according to sources that have spoken to WISN Channel 12, that an off, this was eight minutes ago, an off-duty officer uh, has been uh, shot in the third ward, again, near the intersection of Buffalo and Water Street. And I know that that is some of the rumors that have been uh, going around here for just the last couple of minutes. But again, Channel 12 
Uh, WISN 12 here is reporting now that an off-duty officer has been shot in the third ward. And as you can imagine, at Buffalo and Water, as you can imagine, that would uh, that would certainly account for the heavy, heavy, heavy law enforcement right. um, presence right there in that area. I'm looking at uh, a tweet that was put out about eight minutes ago from the folks at WISN Channel 12, and it looks like a long stretch there of, I believe I'm looking at Water, uh, Water Street is uh, shut down right now and like we said just a moment ago uh avoid that area altogether um water in buffalo again is an area to avoid one of the areas we're hearing scott is that this heavy police presence is right outside the shake shack which is near water in buffalo in the third ward there uh tmj4 is there as well our alex crow has been on the phone he's been talking to a couple of uh, shop owners in that area as well we'll bring some of that audio to you when we get it here through the phones um but yeah this is if that is the case that uh, channel 12 reporting that an officer was shot an off-duty officer then you can imagine that this will be a long investigation a long active scene in that area if uh, you can avoid the downtown area, especially there in the third ward, you are encouraged to do so as they continue to investigate this. Still at this point, we do not know if this is still an active scene, but clearly, I mean, the ATF is there, Marquette police are there, MPD is there. There's a lot going on right now. Um, if you are in that area, and we're kind of in that uh, got a little window here before we uh, send it to Wisconsin's Afternoon News, who will be tracking this throughout the next several hours, 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you are in that area and um, or, or were, were in that area earlier and can speak to the scene or the environment there that you're saying, please do give us a call. Are we going to go here, Greg, if, if he's good to go? Let's... Uh, Let's talk to Russ. Russ, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. You're down in that area, or you were earlier today? No, I was not down in that area, but uh, as this call was coming in, I was on the corner of 84th Street and Blue Mound Road, and traffic got stopped as uh, an, uh, a police escort is what it looked like. You know, I was at least eight Possibly 10 Milwaukee squad cars were escorting a paramedic unit that came off the freeway. Okay. And I don't know if it's tied to this, but then they were headed towards Freighter. I don't know for sure, obviously, but, um, you know, Spidey Sense says probably, right? Yeah. Scott, that would make sense. You know, based based upon the fact that I know I just heard that possibly an off-duty police officer was involved in this that could be you know to my own mind an escorted reason for right. police to get this guy to a hospital thank you russ go ahead eric oh i was going to say that does make sense we do know that freighter would be taking uh, a victim right. that would be coming from this situation as this at this point don't know what led to that shooting again there are some uh, rumors that are running rampant on social media right now about what may have led to the shooting but that would make sense that if an off-duty officer was shot in the third ward which channel 12 is confirming right now that that officer would be taken to freighter um uh, it is worth pointing out uh, that uh, a press release or a statement, I should say, Eric, has just been put out by the Milwaukee County Medical Examiner's Office that says we are not responding. We have not been called That's to good East news. Buffalo and North Water. Uh, let me squeeze in another call here. Joe is in the third ward right now. Hi, Joe. Hi there. How are you? Describe where you are and uh, what you see. 
I was at, we work on the corner of Chicago and Milwaukee Street, and we heard cops coming by. And right now, Buffalo to water all the way from Chicago down to uh, basically the freeway is just shut down with a massive police presence. About how long ago did you hear or notice something was happening, either the sirens or whatnot? How long are we talking? Uh, we heard sirens and cops ripping by our building right around 2 o'clock. Okay. And we thought it was for the Warriors because they're staying right next door, but it was they were going way too fast for it mm-hmm. to be that. Okay. Um, are you still in your office there, or are you down on the street? Are you kind of taking a look outside? Where are you right uh, currently, I'm over by the uh, post office. I was driving around to see kind of where I could get a good angle from, so I'm heading back toward the third ward right now. Okay. Joe, I appreciate that very much in your perspective. Again, uh, following this uh, breaking news story out of Milwaukee's third ward near the intersection of Buffalo and Water Street, where there uh, are reports, including that of uh, WISN Channel 12, of an off-duty officer that has been shot. Um, you heard one of our callers say he saw a police escort with uh, um, an ambulance working its way quickly uh, down Blue Mound a short time ago towards Freightert. Uh, I also mentioned a minute ago, Eric, that uh, in, a, in a good news um, type of situation here that the um, you know the uh, medical examiner's office from Milwaukee is not responding. They have, in fact, put out the statement saying we have not been called there, which, again, is a, is, is a positive thing, at least of this moment, and uh, certainly a situation that is unfolding. And if, as we've been saying, if you have to be in that area, um, don't <laughs> avoid it. If if that's your r- way home, go a different way because I imagine that that area in in uh, the third ward is going to be shut down for quite a while, regardless of whatever the outcome may be. That is absolutely right, and I know John Mercure and the Wisconsin's afternoon news crew are uh, ready to go, ready to handle this, and uh, we'll we'll be on it all afternoon. John, Eric, and everybody in our breaking news center will have the very latest, starting with Wisconsin's afternoon news, on this situation in the third ward in just a moment.